0: Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, and uh, I'm coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. I'm very excited today. I want to first thank our folks for, uh, that listen, read, and watch Must Read Alaska. Maybe you listen to us here on the show. Maybe you read us on the uh, World Wide web web on our website, or maybe you use our app. Maybe you've gone to the Google store or the, or the uh, Apple store and you've downloaded our Must Read Alaska app for free. Thank you so much for doing that. For interacting with us. We do this for folks just like you that that will be able to get the news in all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. We we also want to thank our show sponsor, Guggerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska Show. We are very grateful for her sponsorship. Because of her sponsorship, we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska, which we are very excited about. And uh, we have a very awesome guest today. Our guest today is none other than the legend Doreen Lawrence. Uh, she has been uh, the news guru of Alaska for a while and uh is currently kind of doing her own things, which we will get into later. But welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, Doreen.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much, Then You're very gracious.
0: So uh I'm, pr- I'm pr- very excited that you're on the Must Read Alaska Show because I would guess 9.9 times out of 10, you've been the one doing the interviews. She's probably done uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews over your career, and, and hopefully have hundreds and thousands of le- more interviews to do. Um, so I'm very stoked that you uh, that you're on here and and letting us ask you the question. So um, for the for our readers, maybe that have lived under a rock the last ten years, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you first got involved in politics slash the news business. Um, I'd love to hear it.
1: Sure. So I'm a Seward girl. My great-grandparents came up in the 40s, uh, born and raised there. Um, my parents moved to Anchorage, and we moved into Heathered Meadows subdivision back when Tudor was dirt, and I went to Tudor Elementary School, and then I went to Mountain View because we were rich folks, and then we moved out to Eagle River because housing was really cheap, so I went to, finished up at Homestead Elementary, got my first job in the news at Greening Junior High, where I was the page editor of the local paper at the junior high school. Graduated from Chuyak, and then my parents moved back to Seward.
0: Nice. So uh, you went from being the uh, junior high newspaper editor or reporter to to having, you know, become the news anchor and having your own good morning Alaska show. Uh, how did, how did that transpire? Did you always know that that was something that you wanted to do was be a news anchor on, you know, uh, one of the biggest channels of news in Alaska?
1: Um, so I have a quirky. Um, job trajectory. I never wanted to be a news. I went to CVS back in the day because I worked for Kipkik Group and Frostbite Productions and everyone on our crew had worked in news except for me. And so they would say things like, well, make that a double Vosot. And I would have no idea what they were talking about. So I thought, well, I should probably intern in news for a week or two so that I could, you know, understand what these terminologies are because back in the day you didn't have the internet. And so I went over and I was rejected. Lauren Maxwell told me that I couldn't work there. <laughs> she was probably smart. And then um, one of the folks who worked on the evening news said, can you write to time? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I was on the debate team and I can write within a second or two at the time that's allotted. And so she had me rewrite the six o'clock news to the 10 o'clock news. And at about that time. Uh, Gottstein purchased the station and then he brought in the folks from CNN Headline News and they trained everybody. So that's really where I got my training was the folks from CNN Headline News. And then I worked for CBS for a short period of time and then went back into the world of public relations and then came back because Lori Tipton had taken over at ABC Fox and I came in to visit with her and I was just laughing because her office was such a a disaster I think her desk actually was propped up on film books on one corner and there was a a big blood stain in the ceiling and another one (laughs) on the carpet and I was like what are you doing here (laughs) why do you go from channel two to here and she's like because I can do whatever I want nobody tells me who to interview no one tells me what stories to run I have a lot of ability here to tell news the way I feel it needs to be told. And she's like, and you should jump on board. So I did. And I started there with co-hosting with Mark Colavecchio. Um, I think it was Alaska Political Insider.
0: Nice. So I'm, I'm sure that you've probably interviewed lots of folks. Some have probably been interesting. Some have probably been not interesting. What are a couple of your favorite interviews that you've done over the years and why?
1: I think one of my favorites would have to be Vladimir Putin. I interviewed him about the time that Russia was going into Crimea. I got one question and one question only. And it was a fluke, one of those total fluke things. Um, I asked if he was interested in getting Alaska back. And his response was basically, we have Siberia. We're kind of busy with that. And Alaska is like not anything compared to Siberia. So we wouldn't be worth our time. Another one that I thought was really interesting was David Kaczynski. He is the Unabrahmer's brother. He came on board and talked about the difficulties he was having turning his brother in, knowing that the death penalty was on the table. And it was a really compelling, heartfelt interview. And that, that really meant a lot to me. I would say the funnest one I had was with the Finnish foreign minister. He was getting a lot of grief. We were at the Hotel Captain Cook and there was foreign ministers from several Arctic countries there and they were giving him a real hard time because it was like his second day in the job and they send him to this big conference, the Glacier Conference, <laughs> and they were talking about which Arctic country had the most power, you know, which foreign minister was really the guy to go. And I just happened to have um, Santa Claus, you know, the guy who running, was running for Congress.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Santa Claus and me go back. He is the best interview ever for Christmas Day because there is no news on on Christmas Day. It's a dead news day. So I would ring up Santa Claus live and he would come up with these fantastic stories about delivering presents and all the shenanigans that happened. So I had him on my cell phone and I'm like, hey, Santa Claus, and he goes, Hey Doreen, how's it going? And everyone was floored because they were like, that is seriously real power that you have Santa Claus on speed dial. You got,
0: you got Santa Claus just on speed dial.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. He actually lives in Alaska. He's not some, you know, idea. He's a real person. And yeah, we, we claim Santa. We've got this power here.
0: So you've also kind of traveled the 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 uh the world. Um, Do you have a favorite country you've been to and a story behind that?
1: Pakistan. Absolutely Pakistan. Um, I was a fellow with the International Center for Journalists, and they sent us two journalists from Pakistan to embed in our newsroom. Fantastic young women. Absolutely fantastic young women. Completely blown away by their talent. Sherbano, at the time, was producing the number one morning show in Pakistan, in Karachi, and her makeup and hair department is bigger than my news group. group. I mean, That's it's, so it's crazy. You walk in there and she must have literally a hundred people working for her, folks sleeping on the floor in shifts. I was like, this is fantastic. Um, and then Farhad, she is currently with BBC She when I was in Pakistan visiting with her, she received an award for being the number one political reporter in Afghanistan or in Pakistan. And she is their Afghanistan reporter. So she goes over the border and reports there and bless her heart. She came to Juneau to visit me. And it was at the time that the Taliban got Afghanistan back. And I had I've always had serious concerns because reporters around the world are targets. And in, a, in Pakistan, there was over 800 that had been targeted for murder. Three people were arrested, two went to trial, one was convicted, and then the sentence was thrown out, you know, a week or two later, the guy's served no time. And Farhat herself has been, you know, physically attacked. She's had gangs roll over her van news van instead of you know saying they're going to set it on fire i mean she's a war correspondent with bullets flying next to her and i wish that we all could be so brave as her and her their commitment to telling fair and balanced stories mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that she was the first person as a woman who went to Afghanistan and spoke with the head of the Taliban very early on. And she wore Western clothes and she wore makeup and she asked those hard hitting questions like, what are you going to do about, you know, people with a different religion? What are you going to do for women? What are you going to do for education? And when they would divert, she would just go right back at it. I fear for her life quite often. But she is the kind of person that is very resourceful and she got out of there safely and has continued a very brilliant career. But seeing them in situ and seeing what their life is like and what Pakistan is like really made me. It was life changing for me. It made me so grateful.
0: Yeah, we have it. We have it pretty good here in America
1: they have an overpass and children gather daily there to go to school. They have a meal. They give them a clean t-shirt so they'll have something to wear. They have armed guards so people don't come and steal the kids for sex trafficking. And those children will walk for miles to go to school under an overpass to learn how to read and write so they can have a better
0: life. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I went, um, I went to Honduras with the uh, Samaritan's purse once and um, went to the garbage dump cities there and there it's all kids and there's yeah. no adults and um, literally hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of kids living in not, not even what we would consider dumps here in America. They're just places that people have dumped their trash with, over the course of decades with no reason to you know, cover it up or anything like that, that we do in the US. And it's just kids living there in the garbage, eating the garbage, living in the garbage. And uh, that was a trip for me that put a lot of things in perspective of how good we have it here and how we complain about the stupidest things um, that um, other people in other countries don't have to worry about.
1: Um, I am so grateful for my problems so grateful for my problems I am so grateful to be living in a state as magnificent as Alaska and all the opportunities we have afforded here it was really changed my perspective for the rest of my life
0: well you uh, one of the things that I think is unique about you is I, I believe you've been a registered Republican for a long time mm-hmm. um, has has uh, were you alone in the field there did that make it more difficult, more easy to do a news job? Typically, you know, you ask the average person on the street in Alaska, what do you think a news reporter is? They're going to say liberal Democrat, you know, 9.9 times out of 10. And here you are, um, a Republican for, you know, doing your job for the last, you know, since you started it. Did that make it easier or harder or did it not matter either way? Um.
1: I've always been of the impression that the person you're interviewing should never have the slightest idea what your political thoughts are. And in part of being fair and balanced, which I think is, is the code I try to go to, I always look for the positive and try to stay away from the negative. I think that um, bringing other people down doesn't bring the rest of us up. And when someone is saying crazy, I had this experience, Jonathan, when I was on Seward City Council, where this particular individual who was giving testimony is a wackadoo person whose ideas are on the other end of the spectrum of mine. And instead of tuning them out, I actively listened to what they were saying, 99% of which was sewage and wackadoo. But in there was this little kernel of a bright idea. And... Once they said it, I spoke to Steve Schaefer, who was sitting next to me. And between the two of us, we came up with a springboard from that bright idea that actually came into something that was a workable solution to a problem the community had. So it gave me an appreciation for people who have a completely different point of view than I do. And I think as long as everyone is respectful and we come to the idea that people are doing the best they have with what they've got. And even if their ideas are wackadoo, somewhere in there is something that could be useful for everyone. I think that it it makes it a lot easier to set your own feelings aside and listen. And I think listening is the most important thing we can do.
0: Well, I like that philosophy. I appreciate that. Um, You've done a lot in your career. You've accomplished a lot of things. You've (laughs) interviewed Vladimir Putin, which is pretty freaking awesome. What are there a couple of things that stick out to you as accomplishments that you're proud of over the years uh, that you've been able to achieve and why?
1: Yeah, I, I have some accomplishments I'm particularly proud of. Um, in, back in the day, the Ferrandi used to have an international hybrid wolf show, and I had an Arctic tundra wolf, Akila, and we took first place. And that was particularly great for me because on his what Akila was just a naughty boy. So I don't know anything about showing dogs and Akilah and I went around the room and the first thing he did was steal the box of donuts off the judge's table <laughs> and I had to get back from him and then the judges came over to you know, check his confirmation and he ended up rolling on his back and then the guy was tickling his tummy and he peed in the guy's face a little bit. <laughs> and then we were walking around you know because you they show their their gate and there was a little kid there and Aquila went up and started licking the little kid's face and he still won gr- grand champion so for me considering all those shenanigans that was a real accomplishment I was amazingly proud of we were actually walking out the door because I thought you know there's just no way I'm sorry it's just ridiculous when they announced our name so that was probably my proudest moment because, you know, it's for Rondi. And who, who isn't proud of winning it for Rondi?
0: So do you still, is the dog still around or did he pass?
1: Oh, no, he's passed away. That was yeah. several days ago. He, my favorite pet by far. He was amazing.
0: So did you get like a plaque or something or a or a, like an I award?
1: Got a I got a ribbon and I still have it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a pretty awesome accomplishment. One of the things that I uh, that I think... Uh, is one of my favorite things that you've championed over the years is, you know, when I think of Doreen, I think of that you love all things historical. And one of the things that Mm you have championed was Jesse Lee home, which is the place where the Alaska flag song was um, consecrated or invented or whatever the correct word is there. And you really put in a huge valiant effort, sometimes by yourself, sometimes with other folks on board to save that home. For folks that don't know anything about, you know, I just said Jesse Lee home and they're like, I don't even know what that means. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and why it was so important for you to try to save that?
1: Of course. Thank you for asking. Um, The Jesse Lee home was a building I did not appreciate at all. When I first got started, to me, it was just a really pretty but abandoned building. That used to have great fields in front that I would graze my horse on. That's how was my understanding of the building. But my grandmother, Millie Sorensen, had a best, a bestie. Her name um, was Fanny Kearns. And Fanny was an Eskimo lady from Hope who worked at the Jesse Lee home as a seamstress. And she's our Betsy Ross. She sewed the first Alaska State flag together by hand out of scrap material. Wow. And I did not have at all the appreciation for the building and its historic importance that my grandmother did. But on her deathbed, she made me promise that I would do what I could to save the building. And I've made maybe half a dozen promises in my lifetime. I take them very seriously. So I agreed to do that. And so that's where my passion came from, was the promise I made to my grandmother. The building itself and what happened there was just Phenomenal. It was such an important part of the Alaska Native Rights Movement. Benny Benson was a young man whose mother had passed away, and his father was unable to care for the children. He started out in Alaska, and then when they moved to Seward in the 1920s, he was there as well. He designed this... In addition to coming in second place in the Mount Marathon race, amongst Benny's accomplishments was designing the Alaska state flag. And as a young man, everyone was pretty sure he didn't understand its importance. So William Paul was the representative in the Alaska Territorial legislature who wrote him a letter and said, hey, kid, so you know. This is an important thing because Alaska Natives were just recognized by the state of Alaska, and I am the first Alaska Native to serve in the legislature. And it is my bill that is making this flag design of yours our state flag. And you being a young Alaska Native lad who competed head on with the preferred race, the white race, and won, is amazing. I think what most people don't realize is that the Jesse Lee home really encouraged the Native kids, well, they weren't just Native, they were all races there, to really move forward in life. And of course, there were always personality differences, but it didn't have the kind of problems that you normally associate with boarding schools for Native children. The kids, it was a home, and the children were treated exactly the same as the people who worked there treated their own children. So the members of the Alaskanita Brotherhood also wrote Benny Benson a letter at the Jesse Lee home that said, you've given us something that we haven't had until now. You've given us hope. And I think that history of hope with the Jesse Lee home, with the Alaskanita rights movement was extremely important. And it was a beautiful building. It had architectural merits that were amazing and I could go on in its history for half an hour. Literally, I have been timed. That's just one of the items that happened there. It was also the last wing of the tuberculosis epidemic where the local doctor did something really crazy. He opened up people's chests with two potato mashers and took a look at their lungs and helped figure out a cure for tuberculosis and was awarded the Lorraine Cross, the Red Cross for that. and I could go on and on and on, but I won't because I know your show is not that long. But it was a phenomenal building with a really important um, space in Alaska history. And I'm grateful that I was able to have an appreciation for it and be able to be its champion for a while.
0: And uh, for folks that are listening, um, I believe the building got tore down, right?
1: Uh, yes. We, the state of Alaska spent a million dollars Um that they gave to the city of Seward to rip the building down in a time when lumber was skyrocketing the, all of this hundred thousands of square feet of first growth lumber that was in prime condition was torn down and taken to the dump. A lot of people said, Hey, let us go in and take out those amazing floors and those huge 20 foot beams with, you know, not even a nail hole in them. And, they just tore it all down. They did it very quickly. They didn't exactly follow protocol. So it's my understanding that the EPA is looking at it because there's asbestos and mercury issues now.
0: Yeah, if, if uh, you know, it's it's such a, um, uh, a tragic event, in my opinion. I think that there's, you know, in Alaska we don't have many buildings like that. You go back on the East Coast and there's, you know, a hundred-year-old buildings or a dime a dozen. We just don't have that in Alaska. We have a A couple of really cool old buildings that, you know, people know about, Kennecott Mines and those kinds of things. But this was one of them. And it was such a missed opportunity, I believe, for the state of Alaska to jump in and save the building. Um, They could have, they should have, they would have kind of type of deal. And it's too late now. And not not only did they not save the building, but they didn't let folks retain any of their lumber you know, somebody could have jumped in there. The state of Alaska has got a, you know, five dozen project managers all paid $120,000 a year, you know, various different projects. They could have lended a project manager to this just to get rid of the lumber alone to folks. Uh, I'm sure there's folks willing to even buy it. And uh, it's just a tragedy. This building is gone. It will no longer be here. And it's really just a result of I think people not willing to come together and have a conversation and uh, uh, whoever made the decision to demolish it uh, that's on you. And I hope you uh, make better choices in the future because that was one crappy decision. Um, well, what, uh, what do you think, uh, you know, about this political crazy world we live in? You know, I think a lot of times people are um including myself, you know, I point when I point a finger, I'm pointing to right back at myself. It's, it's very uh, daunting. Sometimes to feel like you can make a difference in this pl- crazy political world. It seems to get more and more polarized as the day goes on. Um, how do you think somebody makes a difference in this world? You know, does showing up to meetings still help does writing letters help does running for local offices help? How does somebody make a difference today in Alaska?
1: Um, I'll give you an example. I had a, an injury that kept me out of work for some time. And my first day back on the job, I came back in early because I had scheduled Joe Miller. And it was right after Joe had had Tony arrested or shackled up for asking the wrong questions at a press conference. So it was a little dicey. Let's put it that way. And, and Joe's known for not being the most gentlemanly when he's referring to whoever he's running against. So I had a head injury, I had TBI, I had a broken back, and I was a little loopy. Let's just throw that in there. And so I said, "Hey, look, Joe, this is the deal. We're going to be on live television, and if you say one thing that's controversial or say one negative thing about your opponent, I'm going home because I don't have. The, I just don't have the energy for it. If you want to sit here and tell me about you." And what makes you a great candidate and your outlook and your thoughts on how to move Alaska forward. I will sit here all day for that. And so to Joe's credit, he did. He was forthcoming. He was, he was genuine. He was interesting. He didn't say one negative thing about anything or anyone. And it was a really great interview that I felt really strongly about that really showed Joe for who he is as a person, as opposed to who he is as a character. And I think if everyone showed up at the table like that, it would completely change our political climate and more quality people would be willing to run for office and hold office because they and their families wouldn't be targets and the conversation wouldn't be so toxic. And instead it would be, we may have different ideas on how to get there. But we both have the same goal in sight. So let's figure out how to move Alaska forward. And I think by taking that outlook, I'm not even going to talk about my opponent. I'm just going to talk about my ideas and my thoughts and who I am and what I bring to the table. I think we completely could change the political climate to one that actually serves us instead of entertains us.
0: That was a great thought. I think oftentimes I look at, I don't have TV, but I watch uh, some fun YouTube channels with my kids. And I so I see some of these political ads and I just think to myself, boy, that was kind of entertaining, but it didn't really inspire me to do anything about voting for that person. And I think sometimes we've lost sight of um, politicians. My hope would be they get, more in the uh, game of inspiring and then doing what you're going to say, as opposed to cutting down the opponent and being negative. I just think that people are done with negative. You know, I, I even get comments on our uh, uh, it's funny. I'll get comments on our uh, every, pretty much every time I'll do a show and there'll always be a couple folks on there. Why didn't you yell at the person? Why didn't you call them on their stuff? And that's just not my style. My style is to get to know somebody and, and hear what they have to say and then let the folks decide for themselves if they like it or not. Um, my platform is not to beat down on somebody. Um, if, if that's what the person wants to do that's commenting, go start your own podcast and beat down on whoever you want. You won't have many guests that will want to be on it. <laughs> um,
1: it's, it's tough. And people forget that they're people you know, it's, it's a human being that you're interviewing that has actual feelings. And when you make really negative accusations, or you, you know, go after somebody, those scars step around, you know, and they, they definitely flavor the person's point of view for the next person that's interviewing them. I, I've yeah. had that. where so I've interviewed folks who have been beaten up by the person who interviewed them before I did. And it, it shows, and it's not a kind thing to do to people.
0: So you've probably had some folks that you've looked up to over the years. Um, who's been a hero to you and and why has that person kind of played that role in your life?
1: Um, I would say my first hero would be Penny Hardy when I was growing up. She's someone that is not well known outside of Lowell Point, but she was one of my grandmother's friends. And so she'd always be at the, the kitchen table. She was just an honest, hardworking person who... Did what she could to help her community, was always kind, always considerate, always willing to lend a helping hand. And she was the kind of person that I wanted to be when I grew up.
0: That's awesome. So right now you, um, you have an uh, online swag store that is very art-centric. Tell folks about um, how they can check out what you're currently doing and uh, what's you know give us a little peek behind the curtains on what's next for you.
1: Sure, so that my little project for COVID was I started a travel-related store. I got some goodies to show. Nice. So this is a little sample pillow. I took old postcards and I turned them, of Alaska mostly, and I turned them into fun things that you could have at your house. And then I am, um, like you could see my lampshade in the back. Um, yeah, so I, it's DoreenLorenz.com and I'm not doing a lot to promote it or sell. <laughs> I just have fun creating things. I'm like the world's worst salesperson. I think I sold something to my mom, and that was about it. But I have a lot of fun <laughs> making things. Um, they're all made, it took me a long time to find the right manufacturer. There's a, a place in London that pays their people a living wage, and everything's made there, everything's sustainably sourced. And there's no third world shenanigans going on, or you know, you know, low end. Everything's high end, nicely done. And so I've just been having a lot of fun with it. Mostly I've been making things for my home, and then people come over. They're like, I want one of these, and so I stuck them on the website. Uh, years ago, I did the Diamond Center Hotel, and it was the same sort of thing. Everyone's like, Hey, that's cool. I want one, and then I didn't have any place to send them to. And now I do. DoreenLorenz.com. You nice. can make your house look like my house. <laughs>
0: that could be the slogan <laughs> there you
1: go i've been so working, i've been working a lot though in um film projects and television projects recently i was on nat geo's something bit me which was a lot of fun it was my first for foray into reality television um i did a film a few years ago called vampire foxes from space where i play a queen vampire fox that made the film circuit last last year and that was an amazing amount of fun and it won a ridiculous amount of awards nice did you get to
0: go to any of the award shows I,
1: i i did i went to some of the film festivals and it was and some of the con cons film cons you dress up in your costume and go it's it was
0: comic-con or whatever yeah
1: yeah something like that it was just hysterical and they're working on um expanding that project into a graphic novel and then another film and i'm i've been lucky to be involved in that as well so that's a lot of fun i also was in a minor role in a three-part series what if i defect and they just got through shooting the second part of that with dean kane so at some point i get to be the lowest lane superman in the the third act i'm really excited about that
0: is that like a movie or like a tv yeah
1: they're they're films they're full-length feature films and i play the mom of the uh love interest female love interest dean plays the dad of the male love interest so i'm hoping at some point we get a you know third film meet each other i think at the wedding it'll be pretty exciting and then i just recently as in earlier this week um finished a television pilot that i've been working on for quite some time and submitted it to a bunch of film festivals so hopefully that's going to go somewhere i had a lot okay. of fun writing
0: it can you can you say anything about what the film or the uh, TV show is, or is it kind of top secret? No, no,
1: no. It's not top (laughs) secret at all. It's, um, it's a script. It hasn't been shot yet, but I made it specifically. So it could be mostly shot if not all shot in Alaska. I I think the film industry here brings in great jobs where they spend an incredible amount of money. Sugar mountain dumped a million dollars in Seward one year on the off season, which was fabulous for the community. I um, it's about, It's about my experiences at the television station. So I took some of the more interesting things that happened in my TV life and made it into a made up television station where a lot of the stories that run are based off of stories that we ran at the station. And then the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes.
0: That's awesome. My favorite TV show. Uh, ever is the office, which is uh, lots of shenanigans on that show.
1: Yeah, I love the office. It's really well written. that's a that's a great, great show.
0: so any other any last thoughts or words that you wanted to chat about before we sign off here? The floor is yours.
1: Oh, mercy. Um, this political season, we're doing ranked choice voting, and it's been kind of an experiment, and I think that it's really fun that the first ranked choice event we have, we ended up with two Republicans and two Democrats as the final four. I mean, how fabulous is that? I love the idea that we're missing the primaries for the Republican party. I know a lot of people don't like that. I love that. And I really am sad that I'm not on Political Insider or Alaska Daily right now, because one of the things I did was try to interview everyone who's running, not just the front runners. And I miss that because you pick up some really interesting people who are just starting their political career that you, know, you, you would normally miss and not give credit to because they're not a name that you know. And then you, the people who you are well-known, you're missing the, the backstory of why they're doing what they're doing and what's important to them and their point of view and their lessons learned. So that I am missing. And I wish that we had a bigger forum for television in Alaska. News in Alaska has really. <laughs> so Our communities are, are not well being served. So I'm really well, grateful for you folks at must read Alaska because you're, you're doing a phenomenal job of bringing forward stories that matter. And I appreciate that. So credit to you because it's not an easy thing to do. News is a tough, tough job.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in, I want to encourage you to go back 30 minutes and listen to the whole thing. We have Doreen Lawrence here uh, on the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are welcome back anytime you'd like. Uh, you've been a fabulous guest. And uh, we want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. It's because of her sponsorship that we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. Go check her out. She's a nonpartisan candidate running for U.S. Senate, and is pro-energy, and has got a couple things to say about Joe Biden's job as being president. And uh, so, until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. And I think what time is it? Nine thirty. I think we have uh, a double header today. So tune in today. Bear with me here. I'm just going to check my text message to see if we actually do have a double header, and I think we're going to be on today at eleven. Uh, talking about ranked choice voting. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. Suzanne and I have a special guest uh, today at 11 to talk ranked choice voting. So if you are interested in hearing everything there is to know, probably not everything, because we only have about 45 minutes uh, to hear about ranked choice voting, you're going to want to tune into that. Uh, Thanks again, Doreen. Uh, It's been a blast. And until next time, from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick signing off. Hope everybody has a fabulous day.